Hello everyone. How many of you would call yourself a hard worker, a self-starter, someone who likes to be head of the pack? You did the work necessary to get ahead in your job. You did the work necessary to be the top student in your class. And if there's one thing I know about America, those who perform tend to do well. If, if you're willing to put in the extra work there are scholarships, there's extra credit, there's promotions, pay raises, bonuses, acknowledgement, and trophies. Yeah, don't forget the trophies. Performing and doing well, whether scholastically, athletically, intellectually, are part of the fabric of our nation. Perform and be rewarded. And often times this mentality is carried over into our walk with Christ. If I perform well, God will see me as righteous. And that's kind of how I grew up, earning my way to heaven, doing the things necessary to put lipstick on a pig, me being the pig, of course, my outward expressions, my attendance, my memorization of biblical facts, my goodness toward others were not really done out of love for my heavenly father, but out of a fear of insufficiency. What if I'm not enough? What, what if I'm not good enough, not holy enough, not, not loving enough, not caring enough, not spiritual enough? What if I'm not enough? See, my desire, my motivation to perform, to work my way into a right relationship with God is a byproduct of this little inner voice repeating itself over and over in my head. Work harder and your, your reward will come. Just work harder and your Heavenly Father will reward you with eternity. I learned that my insufficiency only finds sufficiency in the power of Christ. My performance does not equal righteousness. It's by grace and grace alone where God's righteousness is performed in me, not out of my doing, but out of His doing in me. Now, today's verses in the Sermon on the Mount are another opportunity for us to reflect on our nature, our character, our lives, our sufficiency in the righteousness of our Heavenly Father. And like the last few weeks, this is a difficult teaching to apply. I mean, listen to the words of Jesus. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. All right, so before we dig into our scripture, here's a question I want to kind of dwell on just for a few minutes. I want you to think about this. Is any lostness worse than remaining lost while believing you're found? All right, let me ask that again. Is any lostness worse than remaining lost while believing you're found? I mean, has anyone else lost sleep over this passage? No, really. I mean, have you? I mean, don't these verses cause heartache? 
But Lord, I, I, I've attended council worship services. I've partaken in the Lord's Supper. I do that regularly. I pray and I sing and I listen to the sermon. And I've been to church camp. I've helped prepare food for the hungry. I've clothed the naked. I've even gone on mission trips to foreign fields. I've visited the widows and served my community. No one has done a better job of being a faithful believer. Isn't that exactly what the Pharisees the self-righteous individuals, the holier-than-thou believers, the ones who believed they were in the right. They had the right doctrine. They had the appropriate motives and delivered material in fanatical style. And yet Jesus often called them hypocrites. And here we are this morning, thinking, contemplating about the nature of our own lives, our own choices. And surely we have not fallen into the same trap. Right? I mean, surely this is, this is not about us. But then, would we even know if it was us? This is the passage for which I struggle. Many did not know. They were unaware. It wasn't until the day of the Lord when they hear the, the words, I never knew you, that they become aware. And I read it again and again, wondering, is this me? Is this me? Are the outward expressions of my life congruent with the inward urges of my soul? One writer put it this way, are we traveling toward hell in church clothes? And I asked myself the question, is my faith real? But then what is real? And what is reality in my life? And what is reality in your life. Let me, let me ask it another way. Okay, How can I be sure I'm on the right path? How can I know I'm walking on the narrow way? How can I be sure false prophets have not lured me into their deception? From what I understand about this passage, I can be lost even though I believe I am found. I can be on the wide path while believing I'm on the narrow path. I can believe I'm doing all the right things. I can be involved in every activity. I can be a leader in this church, attend every single service. And is it possible I still could be lost? Okay, before we answer that question, I want to remind you, this is not a new problem that Jesus is talking about. We're not dealing with something new in this text, but old. The idea of believing one is on the right track, following the prescribed form of religion, and yet being far from God, it's ancient. And I want to go back to one of those places. I want you to listen to the words of God through Isaiah the prophet as Isaiah spoke of the wickedness of his own people, Judah. It's in the first chapter of the book that bears his name. Verse 10. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Give ear to the teaching of our God, you people of Gomorrah. What to me is a multitude of your sacrifices, says the Lord. I have had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of well-fed beasts. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs or of goats. When you come to appear before me, who has required of you this trampling of my courts? 
Bring no more vain offerings. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath and the calling of convocations. I cannot endure iniquity and solemn assembly. Your new moons and your appointed feasts, my soul hates. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Correct oppression. Bring justice to the fatherless. Plead the widow's cause. You know, one of the joys of digging into Scripture is its challenges. Those times one stops and has to think. And this is one of those times. See, when Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, he's not speaking about pretenders, those who know they are living a duplicitous life. He's not talking about them. He's not even speaking about those living an immoral lifestyle, professing to be a Christian. Jesus is speaking of those who believe they are on the right track, those who are upright and devout believers. They are believers who are following a path toward what they believe is righteousness instituted by God. The way they worship the way they offer their prayers, their sacrifices are all in accordance with God's word. And God says, I will not listen. I will not listen. I don't know about you, but I find it difficult finding myself in this picture. I want to just, just disregard this verse and move on to the wise man who built his house on the rock. I know that song. I don't really want to agonize over this verse. Why? Because it scares me to death. In other words, I may go through my whole life and miss the point. That's scary. And brothers and sisters, I, I, don't, I don't want to be a preacher who uses scare tactics. I don't. I don't want to be someone who uses fear as a motivator for faith. And I believe Jesus, who knew his audience, knew the hearts of his audience, and he understood that many had a belief system that had no room for new wine. You heard me right. They had no room for new wine. Listen to this passage. No one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the wine will burst the skins and the wine is destroyed, and so are the skins. But new wine is for fresh wineskins. All right, so this passage, spoken to the Pharisees, is about old wineskins that are unable, listen, and unwilling to accept new wine. And how many of us have old wineskins? Okay, I'm in that bunch. For so many years, I lived as a, as a Pharisee, and still do sometimes. I love a structured world that never changes. I want to know the rules. I want to know the limits. I want to know the way I am to worship, the way to structure a church. See, my wineskin is often not able to accept new wine. I can't accept new ideas. I can't accept and will not tolerate them. 
New wine often makes my wine skin explode. And any new idea, new thought, new way of seeing the world, new way of seeing scripture, bursts my skin. Accepting new wine is often detrimental, not only to me, but also to the one pouring the wine. In church, brothers and sisters, this is exactly why Jesus was killed. Jesus offered new wine. And the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, their wineskins could not and would not accept this new wine offered by Jesus. So Jesus decided not to pour his wine into old wineskins, but sought after a remnant who would accept this new wine he had to offer. And the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the priests, they didn't like the wine he was offering, so they crucified him. And our passage today speaks of the judgment and the consequences that occur when we believe our old wineskins are a ticket to eternity like the Pharisees. Okay, so I, I want to read our text again. Listen to this. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, and do mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Okay, here, here's the question I believe Jesus is asking here. Okay, how is one known by God. How is one known by God? Isn't, isn't that the question? How are we known by the Father? When our Father looks at us, what does he see? My hope, my hope, my hope is that our Father sees a heart, a wineskin willing to accept new wine because our wineskins are pliable, fresh, and new daily, ready to be filled with God's amazing love and grace and knowledge. But, but, but this is not the picture we have in Isaiah. And the Lord said, because this people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, while their hearts are far from me, and their fear of me is is a commandment taught by men. See, when God looks at us, what does he truly see? Now, I want to stay in the book of Isaiah, and, and, and there's a reason for this. It's because God offers hope to those who don't realize their destination. God was upset with his people's worship. He was upset with their sacrifices, their prayers, their feasts. They were going through the motions, but their hearts were far from God. And while they did not recognize it, God knew. God knew. He, he knew. And God knows our hearts. And God offered hope to his people, showing them how they could live without fear, how they could know they were children of God. And the same hope is given to us in his son, Jesus Christ. Listen to this. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So, so what, what, what was God's advice to the children of Israel? What was his instruction to those who said, Lord, Lord, do we not 
How does God want us to dwell in his kingdom? How does God expect his followers to know they are on the right path? All right. The same way God wanted the children of Judah to live in obedience to him is the same way we ought to live with God. All right. I want to read verses 16 and 17 again of chapter 1 of Isaiah. If we believe that Jesus is the Word, and the Word was in the beginning with God, and the Word was God, so let's read this passage, knowing Jesus is the Word. And in these verses, which God is speaking, we see Jesus speaking. Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Correct oppression. Bring justice to the fatherless. Plead the widow's cuss. Okay, remember, remember, we're, we're trying to determine how we can be assured of our salvation. I mean, right? Right? Isn't, isn't that what we're trying to determine? Isn't that what we want to know? Are we assured of our salvation. I want to know if I'm a child of God. Now, I, I want to know that. And I am hopeful and prayerful that when we know we are children of God, we do not live in fear. We do not live in fear. Listen, listen to this reassurance. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God. And God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also we are in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Brothers and sisters, Isaiah and John, they're saying the same thing. The answer to the assurance of our hope of eternal home with our Father is love. It all comes back to love. A love of God and a love of others. If I love my Heavenly Father, I will continually be washed in the blood of the Lamb. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. This is the process of continual repentance. I fall at the throne of grace and offer my sacrifices of repentance to my Father. And because of love, I will remove the evil of my deeds from before my Father's eyes. I will cease to do evil. You know, brothers and sisters, I know my heart. I know my faults. And daily, as believers, we are striving to be like our Savior. I mean, are we not? We are. I mean, we should be. So daily, because of the love the Father has for me, for, for us, we are striving to walk in holiness, uprightness, and justice. And because of his love, I will love others. I will learn to do good to all people, all people, from those on my social media page to the ones who even disagree with me. I will learn to do good to all people. I will also learn to seek justice for others who do not look like me, who are of a different nationality, a different color because of love. 
I will seek justice for all people. I will believe it breaks God's heart. I believe it breaks God's heart to see how our country treats those of different color and those of a different nationality. God's desire that, that his people seek justice for all people. And I will also correct oppression. When I see oppression in my midst, I will seek to help out. I will not ignore it. And I will also bring justice to the fatherless and plead the widow's cause. Brothers and sisters, what if we did that? And it all comes back to love. Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Cast out demons in your name? Do mighty works in your name? Lacoma, we, we can be great workers of the Lord. We can. But if we have not love, we are nothing. Remember what Paul says in his chapter on love. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1. The answer to our salvation is not correct doctrine or correct worship. Judah had the correct sacrifices. They had correct worship and never missed an appointed feast. But their hearts, their minds, their souls were far from God. They went through the motions but did not love God. The answer to our salvation is love. Let's not abandon the love we had at first as the Ephesians church did. But James, 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 what, what if I'm not enough? What if I'm not good enough, not holy enough, not loving enough, not caring enough, not spiritual enough? What if I'm not enough? What if my desire, my motivation to perform, to work my way into a right relationship with God is a byproduct of the same little voice in your head? Work harder and your reward will come. Just work harder and your heavenly Father will reward you with eternity. James, how do I break free from this roller coaster? Abide in Jesus. Abide in his love. As the Father has loved us, so we ought to love him. Abide in his love. All right, can, can I go back to the wineskin example as we close today? So what if, what if we took off the old and put on this new wineskin this morning? What, what if we sought new wineskin with a longing to fill them with the love and spirit of Christ? What if we were constantly allowing God to pour into us, Him desiring us to be new creatures, new individuals formed into His image? What, what, what if what if we allowed God's love to permeate our lives, every fabric of our lives? I believe our wineskins would hear His voice on that day say, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little, I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. May God bless each of you. And may Christ's presence and power be with you as you continue to be formed into his image. I love you. Grace and peace be with you.